0: We're in a uh, a new series. Uh, we're gonna call this uh, "Big Dreams" or "Dream Big." And one of the things I love uh, that my uh, my pastor says he said dreams are dreams are free. So dream big. It don't cost you anything to dream big. Amen. So it's important that we dream big. And and big things are always preceded, actually, by big dreams. So if you see anything big being done, it was preceded by someone with a big dream. Amen. Uh, if you look at some of the the things that have shaped our world today. We live in a world actually that has been shaped by and through the dreams that people had. The Wright brothers dreamed of um, flying before anybody thought that was even feasible or possible. They, they, they didn't know what aviation was per se, and, and they had a dream that they could fly. And, and there was a lot of experimentation, a lot of crazy, a lot of risk involved in that, but it, but it happened. Uh, there were other people that dreamed uh, Alexander Graham Bell dreamed that he could communicate, you know, to a person far away, not just by yelling or the Dixie cups like I used to use with string with my with my friends playing when I was a kid. No, he he saw something before it was actually a reality, and he changed the world of communication. We, of course, have other dreamers like Bill Gates, and, you know, we have Steve Jobs that have changed information systems that Literally altered the course and trajectory of our world, and you have you have your social dreamers, you have your people uh, that we know that had these huge dreams. In fact, they even proclaimed them as dreams. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, "I have a dream." Remember, we've all heard that so many times, right? And and yet that framed and forged um, a lot of what we see regarding you know uh, civil liberties and civil rights and ideologies now that have influenced. Uh, the world today. So dreams are important, yes or no? Yes. Dreams change the world, and dreams change you. Yes. Dreams change you, or dreams can change you. And I think that, in a kind of a premise for this, is uh, God, when He wants to do something, He puts something in a person, He puts it in a family. Uh, when He wants to change a person, when He wants to change a family, he want, when He wants to change a city, when He wants to change a nation, he puts a dream in someone somewhere. He puts a dream in someone somewhere. Amen. And, and dreams, let me just try to define those for you, uh, if some of you like to take notes. But today's topic is dream big. We're going to just kick off a three-part series. And I just want to get you dreaming again. You know, um, a couple of years ago, I was challenged by the Lord in my, in my devotion, my private prayer time with the Lord and he was kind of just poking on me, you know, that I was, I was stale in, in my spirituality. There was a, there was a certain, I, I had settled for a certain level of faith. And he was just kind of encouraging me uh, to dream big again. And I'm going to talk about how to get you dreaming big again. How to think kind of uh, above the waterline, the sea level, the ground zero for your life. Um, because I think it can affect every aspect of your life. Amen. amen. But, but like a definition, a simple definition is dreams are like a statement of faith. Dreams, I'll say it again because I need more amens. Dreams are like a statement of faith. I believe Framingham's saying amen and TC saying amen. But it's like it's a person that's looking at nothing And can see something before it comes to be. It's a statement of faith. Dreams are simply a statement of faith. And there's different aspects of dreams of which we will talk about those in the coming weeks. But the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So if dream is a statement of faith, you're going to need faith to be able to please God. How many want to please God? We don't want to to displease Him. We don't want His disapproval. And therefore it requires faith. Great dreams require great faith. Great faith requires great dreams, big dreams. And when you're working on your dream, listen, this is a cool uh, motivation. When you're working on your dream, God is working on you. Five people like this point, praise the Lord. I'm preaching better than you're saying, amen. And so let me say it another way. There's a huge connection between Um, your spiritual maturity, maturation, development, and dreaming. If you're not dreaming, you might not be maturing. You might not be developing the way God wants you to. Are you you still there? Okay. So I'll 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 give you two portions of Scripture, uh, excuse me, one portion of Scripture, two translations. In Proverbs chapter 29, a very famous text, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish okay? Now, what most people at face value look at that verse and they think, when you don't have vision, you die. It's not talking about physical death. It's, it's talking about a progressive internal death. You slowly die. There's a lot of people in life today that are dead people walking, dead men walking, the walking dead, you could say. Are you with me, everybody? And it's because there is a lack of vision. And so, it means this perish word It means if you are not aspiring to something, there is a slow, progressive death. In fact, in one translation, same verse, other translation, as promised. In the New International Version, it says, um, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. You know what that means? It means, I don't care. Where there's no vision, I I just don't care. I just don't care. We live with an I don't care kind of attitude. In other words, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where I live. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter necessarily what I do. It doesn't matter if I have this or if I have that. Where there is no dream, where there is no dream or vision, people will live like that. They'll live with a cast-off restraint. They'll live with a a kind of an I don't care. But the Bible says, another translation, same verse. Everybody, I'm just going to stay on one verse all day long, and I'm going to do every translation in the Bible. That's funny. I don't care what you say. Because I want you to get this point. In the message translation, which is a paraphrase uh, version of the Bible, Eugene Peterson says in Proverbs 29 18, he says, When people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend, that means like they aspire to, they, they go after, they pursue, when they attend to what God reveals, everybody say reveals, then they're blessed. In other words, when when they go after what God has for them, that dream that he has for them, they're blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? Of course you want to be blessed. Of course you want to be blessed. But it's directly connected to a dream that God wants to put in your heart that he wants to reveal to you, not just to some people, to all people. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you too. All right. Now I'm going to go to another verse because you're afraid I'll preach on that one verse all day. Another verse is taken from Psalm chapter chapter 126, Psalm 126. Now, let me say this is an introduction to this verse. The the New Testament is translated out of the Greek language, okay? Originally. Greek is a word for word translation. It's actually a very accurate translation, okay? In the Old Testament, it's been translated out of the Hebrew. Hebrew has uh, pictures with narratives to describe them. In other words, you know the, the, the phrase, a picture's worth a thousand words? Well, in Hebrew has so many nuances to a word. Sometimes it takes a paragraph just to describe one word. But I want to show you this word dream in the Old Testament. Are you getting something out of this so far? Yeah. Okay, Psalm 126.1, it says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, Zion represents the people of God, the people of Israel, people of God, Children of God. But when the Lord restored what was taken from them, it says about them, We were like those who dreamed. What a powerful verse. Let me unpack it for you. It's like they were saying, there's a bunch to this, but in the narrative, what it's like is you ever had something so good, so amazing, that you like pinched yourself and said, Am I dreaming? That's, what, that's, what, that's what's happening right now in this verse for them. Things that they had lost, God brought back to them, and they said to themselves, am I dreaming right now? Is this for real? Is this for real? You restored that which was lost back to me, and then some, it's as if, it's as if I'm, I'm in my dreams right now. Is this real? And it was real. In fact, every other place that you see this word, uh, dreamed, use. it's typically translated, not every place, but typically it is translated um, to restore back to health. Listen, listen, I'm going to make a correlation here that I want you to get. There's this a couple things I want you to walk away with. No, normally I'll say, if there's one thing you could just walk away with, it'll be this. But I'm challenging you today to remember several things, okay? But here's one of those things. There is a direct connection between your health, the health in your soul, and your dreams, in other words, to be, to be healthy, you need to dream. To be really healthy, listen, you need to dream big. Oh my gosh, this is way better. I, I'm just I'm I think I'm here in TC and, and framing him, but I'm telling you, there's a connection between, according to the Bible, your restored health, whatever you've lost, that's a holistic health, and your ability to dream big again. Another way to say it is you'll never be totally healthy. You'll never be totally fulfilled. You'll never be totally satisfied if you're not dreaming big. doesn't mean you have it all. just means you're dreaming for something big in your life. Then it says in verse 2, the second part of Psalm 126, it says, so what happens when you're dreaming like that? It says, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. So you're happy. You're blessed. So I want to dedicate this message. To some of you, this is why you can't get into it right away. Because there's a depression, there's anxiety, there's tremendous stress. You feel overwhelmed by certain things. There's loss. It could be because of the economics. It could be because of the political situation in our world. It could be global war. It could be something more close to home, a relational problem or issue in your life. All of that, all of that, I'm just saying, will be a big deal Until you have a big dream in your life. All of that will continue to be a big deal until you start having big dreams again in your life. Because the greatest way to solve our problems is not to solve all our problems. Is that profound or what? Say, I went to church for them to tell me the greatest way to solve your problems is not to solve all your problems. That's what he told me there. I'm telling you, you don't have to go to a therapist to learn this. You can learn this right here at church. You don't have to pay 400 bucks an hour. You can come right here, and we can help you solve a lot of your problems right here. The greatest way to solve your problems is to have something that is bigger than your problems, a part of your life, and that's not a big problem. That's a big dream, everybody. Amen? This church is starting to come alive. So Paul says like this. This is not in your notes. This is just kind of bonus, but this is taken from a scripture in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul, okay, was an amazing dude who had big dreams. He said about his life around him, he said, I'm hard-pressed on every side. I'm perplexed. I'm persecuted but not abandoned. He talks about these horrible things that happened in his life and actually references them as light and momentary troubles. But when you look at these problems, they weren't light and momentary. They were long and they, they were heavy and they were long. Because he had a very difficult life. And yet he said that. And I'm looking at his life. For example, I don't know if you realize this, but when Jesus was crucified, one of the worst parts of the experience was the scourging. You guys probably know about that. He was, he was tied up, chained up, and he was whipped. And this whip was no joke. This whip had metal in it, had glass in it. And, and, and he was whipped 39 times. The Romans perfected this form of, of punishment because they knew statistically and historically if you, if you whipped them 40 times, they would die. A human being could not survive the 40 lashes. So they go right to the 39, right to the edge, and they would whip you across the right side of your trapezius muscle. That's this muscle up here, of which if I just had my T-shirt on and flexed, you could see it really good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> just a moment there for pause. <clears throat> I'm, I'm a student of humility, praise the Lord, not a master. And, and they, would, they would whip across that trapezius muscle and they would rip the muscle, tear it 13 times. Then they would go to the other trapezius muscle and they would rip the muscle and the skin all the way to the bone. And then they would go right down the middle. This is a horrible, horrible punishment. Listen, Jesus had that and he didn't die, but he, he went to the cross. Paul had that happen to him five times. Five times. Paul... This is the person that said what he said. Paul was shipwrecked. He was out at sea, you know, for a day and a night, bobbing like a cork in the water. He was bitten by a poisonous snake. He was, he, he had horrible, horrible things. He was in prison. He had horrible things happen to him, and he calls all these things light and momentary prob- problems, bugs on the windshield, no big deal. How? Why? How did he do that? And the Bible says later in that chapter, it says, because he fixed his eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And my question to some of you is, what do you focus on with all the problems that you have in your life? What are you focusing on? Do you have something like that? Because, because the Apostle Paul was able to get over some crazy nut stuff. And so what I think God has for us is a solution. In the book of Acts, are you getting something out of this today? In the book of Acts, the the, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, I'll I'll read it to you. And and this is something that you've probably heard before, but maybe not this this side of it or this perspective. But Acts chapter 2 verse 17, it says, in the last days, God says, who said it, everybody? He said, I will pour out my spirit. Can I have an amen? In the last days, or I like to say we're in the last of the last days. We are, we are we are, here. You know how you have a legend in the mall with a little thing that says you are here? You are here. I'm just going to say that. That would be a great series. Devin, help me out with that. You are here. Okay. Okay. I will pour out my spirit on all people. So some of us think when that verse is read that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is uh, long and powerful prayer meetings. Some of us us believe that when the Spirit of God is poured out, there's going to be uh, supernatural signs and wonders and miracles. And I want to say something to you. Yes, that is part of it. But that is not all of it because the Bible goes on to say what that looks like. It says this. Are you with me? It says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It says in the last days when he pours out his Spirit, what's it going to look like? Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. So I'm trying to get you to see something that God's language... The way God speaks to people is, where, is through prophecy, things that are to come. He wants to give to young people. I believe God wants to speak to the next generation more than any other time in human history. Next generation, you should be alive. You should be, you should be ready. You should be receptive because the spirit of God wants to be pour, is going to be poured out. It's going to be poured out on the next generation so they prophesy. They see things that are to come and they get a part of that. He's going to give visions to people again for their life we're not here to just kind of ride it out till he comes back and just hold on and wait and hang on to his garment and just coast to the end no God has the greatest things that he wants to do in human history and he was speaking to people through prophecy through vision and through dreams it's his language it's how he communicates and one of the greatest markers of the end times will be that all of a sudden the people of God will begin to realize and begin, I would just like to say, see again. People are going to begin to see again. Some of you in this room, are, you don't even realize your best days are ahead for you because you get, the spirit of God's going to be poured out. You're going to see again. You're going to dream. And some of you are going to dream again. Some of you won't, but some of you will. And I'm after the some of you that will. I'm your tour guide, Derek Fry. I'm your friend, and I am here to fire some people up today. Amen? I'm here to fire you up. Amen. Your next season of life, your next season of ministry, God has called you to something big. But truth be told, i got to get into my message. This, that was just the introduction. <laughs> the truth be told, when I was young, I, didn't, I, didn't, uh, I, I wasn't much of a dreamer. I was I was a daydreamer, <laughs> I was a pipe dreamer, uh, and then I had a lot of scary dreams in my life. Honest to be tr- tr- totally truthful, my mom will be here in the second service because she's never seen the light of day in the first service, but when my, my mom would testify to this that I ha- used to have scary dreams, wake up in the middle of the night, horrible nightmares, and then I would come in the room and have to have them pray for me. And, And um, they were tormenting, and and so when I was very young, I, as a small boy, I asked the Holy, I asked God, if you could just please stop all the dreams. I can't take it anymore. And he and he actually answered that prayer. And I I can remember for years, I couldn't even remember what happened last night. (laughs) Not in the bad way. Some of you are like, yeah, I went through that this weekend. No, I'm not talking about that. (laughs) I'm talking about dreams, not what you did last night. Okay, (laughs) praise the Lord. Um, we don't have that in common. But anyway, I, I, but then we, there, there came a time where there was a different, there was an exception to this. Whenever I would dream, it would be something of significance. And I asked the Holy Spirit to kind of just breathe on that. My, my dream started to have meaning. And this is a little embarrassing, but as a young boy, I, I had this dream that I would have the strength of Samson. I, it's almost hard to say it out loud. And, uh, and I had these pictures. Uh, these crazy pictures. Who's my favorite character, like in in the in the Bible? No, no surprise. And uh, in fact, we we uh, we 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 participated in a mission outreach where we um, there's a there's a church app, uh, kids Bible app. That's gone around the world and and, um, we bought one of the stories as a church to that a biblical narrative and it was of course Samson because I wanted to be Samson. So all these kids around the world are reading this biblical story about Samson because that was in my heart. That was a dream I had. But I remember having this dream uh, that I would just pick up these big rocks, you know, just imagine this little kid, you know, I'm just holding this massive rock over my head. That was in my mind. And everybody would say, how do you do that, Derek? And, I'm, and I'd be like, it's the glory of the Lord. He has given me mighty strength of Samson, you know, and everybody would come around. And then I would preach Jesus to them. This, is, this was my little childhood dream. And the reality is, um, I don't have the strength of Samson, although I am pretty strong, but But God has given me a strength to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. And I have seen that happen. And that was the dream that was kind of figurative but became literal. Are you with me? Later in life, I had other dreams. I have to this day, even just a couple weeks ago, not even a couple weeks ago, I had a dream. It was a warning for my kids. And I just felt very strongly I need to act on it right away. And I acted on that just to protect my kids. Sometimes you're not paying attention as if they don't have significant. And I'm not just talking about dreams when you sleep. I'm talking about a dream that God gives you when you're awake, too. Are you with me? And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. My dad had a dream, by the way. Uh, Just, this was an amazing one. Um, He woke up in the night. This was um, October 18th, 1987, the day before Black Monday. Some of you would know about this. It was one of the, the worst market crashes in history. And, and the day before Black Monday, my father had a dream, and an angel came to him in his dream and told him, you need to sell everything. Sell. That's all he knew. Sell. And so he, he woke up, and he called our financial director and said, somebody had given us thousands of dollars in stock with EMC here in Hopton. Praise the Lord for that wonderful person. It helped finance some of the ministry. And he, he got up and said, I, I, the Lord told me we got to sell everything. You sure, Pastor? I am sure. I'm telling you as your pastor, sell everything. And he sold everything, and Black Monday hit that day. We, we, we were able to rescue thousands and thousands of dollars all because of a dream. And the point I'm trying to make is God communicates through dreams. But it can also slow down. It can also kind of like drop out of the, the bottom, so to speak. And I remember going through seasons, and that's why I'm back online, I remember going through seasons where I wasn't dreaming. I wasn't believing God. I, wasn't, I didn't have that next level faith that God wanted for me. And then I got around some other people that kind of like uh, helped me and encouraged me to believe for more again. And God has put people in your life. To encourage you to believe again, to believe for more, that you have, and you need to get around them. You need to get around, I call them lid lifters. You need to get around people that lift the lids off your life. Get around, get, get away from some of those naysayers. Get away from some of those toxic relationships that are tearing you down and say, that's crazy. That'll never happen. You can't do that. No, you gotta get around people that believe God and are supporting you. Are you with me? And I started dreaming again. I started dreaming again. And not too long ago, my pastor, I was with him in a small group in Birmingham, Alabama, and he had been challenged years before in the same way. But he asked me a question, and several, about five of us in the room. He said, he said Derek and some of the other guys he said, do you have a bucket list? Do you have a bucket list? And at that time, I didn't really know what he was talking about, although I did remember briefly about some movie called The Bucket List. So I, I thought I knew what he was talking about. And, and I remember watching that movie, and I'm not endorsing that movie, so if anybody says, pastor said, watch that movie, I I didn't tell you that, okay? But I watched that movie, and it was just about two guys, terminally ill, dying of cancer. One was rich, one was poor, and they were just talking about all these things they wanted to do before they kicked the bucket. And 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 all the things they wanted to do, the kind of the moral of the story was, all these things they wanted to do were pretty external. Let's jump out of a plane, let's drive a fast race car, let's do some other things that are immoral. And And... And in the end of the movie, uh, this, this, the rich guy says, we can do all that because I have the money. Let's do it. And the end of the movie became not about the external but about the internal. But it was more, it was more the message of it was, what, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Are you dreaming? Are you dreaming about something big? Because that's so expensive or because that's so difficult or because it's so challenging, a lot of times we don't put it. On our bucket list. Are you with me? And so he said, Derek, I want you to go back to the hotel, come back tomorrow, and you have to have at least five things on your bucket list. And so I went home and, not home, but I went back to the hotel. And honestly, I couldn't think of stuff right away. But I'll just say this I I was able to produce five. And now my bucket list is more like 30. And it's been growing and morphing every year. Um, For the sake of time, I'll just highlight a couple, but some of them are like, you would expect, for example, I have, I have a, a daughters, and one of them was to give all my daughters away to godly men. I always tell the guys that come into life, I don't want just a good man, I want a godly man for my daughter. And I interview all the men that come into my children's lives. And if they were here to uh, testify about that, they would have a very interesting series of stories about how dad has gotten involved in all of those situations, even most recently. Um, one of my bucket lists was to see my son ordained and leading successfully in church. That has happened. One of my foolish, dumb ones, but I, I liked it, was I wanted to bench press double my body weight at 50 years old. I did that. That's been removed. Praise the Lord. Another one was I wanted to train pastors and leaders around the world. I'm doing that now. That was a dream that I had in my heart. Uh, another one I have, that's, for example, that I don't haven't done is I want to make so much money that I, I used to say I want to make a million dollars. That was where it started. I wanted to be a millionaire. And now I I want to make so much money that I can reverse tithe, that I can live on 10% and give away 90. How many know that would be an incredible way to live? I'm nowhere near that, but see me again in 20 years. Let's see where I'm at. Praise the Lord. I want to write a book that sells at least 100,000 copies. I want, yeah, I don't need to tell you that one. Um, I got some dumb ones. I want to arm wrestle a professional arm wrestler and win. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to sing in front of 10,000 people or more. I've done that. Praise the Lord. So there's certain things that you put down. They seem. I want to win one million souls to Jesus through Connect Church. I want to reach 5,000 kids sponsored in the Dominican Republic. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I want to leave a legacy that outlasts my friends and my family. I want to compete in a powerlifting meet at 60 years old, 70 years old, and 80 years old and tell everybody after that, shut up. Now listen to me. (laughs) I put there. I put now they'll listen to me. I want to dream bigger every year, number 30. Anyway, I could give you a lot of these, but the point is I want you to go home. I want you to take an hour, and I want you to start making a bucket list again because here's the reason for that. You restore your soul to health not by circumstances getting better, but by dreams getting bigger, by dreams getting bigger. You restore your soul to health by doing that. Because God wants to do above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine, imagine, imagine. And I want you to see things on your list that have to do with maybe people that you stopped believing God for. God wants you to go back to the prayer closet again and start believing God for them again. Are you with me, everybody? Maybe it's something that you didn't think could happen, but it can still happen in Jesus' name. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 says, The Lord answered me and he said, Write down the vision. Write, he's pretty clear about what he wants. What does he want you to do? Write it down. Write it down. Write it clearly on clay tablets. You don't use clay. You can use your phone, okay? So whoever reads it can run to tell others. And, And most people don't read the rest of it. It says, it's not yet time for the message to come true, but that time is coming soon. The message will come true. It may seem like a long time, but be patient and wait for it because it will surely come. It will not be delayed. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a big praise. All locations, can we thank Jesus? It will come to pass if you write it down. If you write it down. Here's another one of those special thoughts. I told you sometimes they say, if there's one thing you can remember, remember this. Here's the second thing I want you to remember. Here's this critical thought for you. Should you write down things that you think have no chance of happening? Absolutely yes. Yes. See, sometimes I started this way. My conservative nature and my good steward. And y- y- y-. No, no, no. You're starting to limit God. You know how often people of God limit God? God is lim- unlimited in his power, but we can limit him. We can limit him. You absolutely should write these things down. Port, port, uh, point in case. Um, we lived in a house just down the street here. I've told this story before. And then we moved into another house, 77 Carriage House Path, Ashland, Massachusetts, 01721. That's where we used to live, so don't go there because we're not there, okay? But we lived there for, I don't know, 15 years. But I remember when we were moving from our house before that to this, it was, it was we, we went from a, thousand, a little over 1,000 square feet, six people living in the house for 10 years. Some people say, pastor's got it good. Well, you know, we had some rough years too. Okay, we, we were going to this house, and, we, and, and what you don't realize is we had written down the vision for our house, and it was on a piece of paper that my wife wrote out, and it was on our, bath, our single bathroom mirror for five years. Every single morning, our entire family saw the vision with specificity of what we were believing for in a house. We went around shopping for different, it's a true story, everybody. We went around shopping for different house. I'm doing this to encourage you. We went around, and this house, this house, it was, nice, it was nice, it was nice, that's not it. When we walked into this house, we walked in the front door, we both looked at each other and said, this is it. There was, there, th- this is it. This is our vision. This is our house. The only problem was it was w- way beyond what we could ever ask or imagine or afford. And so it wasn't looking good, but I decided we're going to make an offer. And I remember the realtor that we had, she was a girl in our church, and it was, it was, she was new to the field, and I remember telling her um, when we were getting into negotiations, I said, this is what we can afford. She goes, I know. I don't even, you know, kind of like, she was like, I'm going through the motions because you're my pastor. But this ain't going to happen. This ain't going to happen today. And I said, it's going to happen. And she said, I don't think it's going to happen. I said, here's what's going to I want you to make that. offer. She, you want me to walk into that other room where they are and the other realtor is and make this offer? I said, yes, I want you to make that offer. So she went into the other room. She made the offer. And they declined the offer. She came back out. She said, I told you. I said, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's what God showed me. And the Holy Spirit showed me this. And I'll give you the, the end game. He, the Holy Spirit showed me they need to see your family. And so I said to her, I said, I want to meet, I want to see, I want to meet them face to face. She goes, no, it doesn't work like that, Pastor Derek. That's not how we do business. I said, I want them to see my family, and I want to meet them. The offer's already been declined. I said, I understand that. I said, Michelle, make that happen. She says, okay. So the family comes out of the room, says they want to meet you. They just want to thank you. And then and, and we got face to face, and we got in this little circle, and the husband and the wife were standing looking at my little flock of fries. <laughs> and my wife, my beautiful wife, my selling point, my prized possession. And then there was me. I tried to stay out of the viewfinder. And as God is my witness, the wife of the husband, who was going to make the call, looked at my wife and the kids, and she came over, and she grabbed my wife's face and the little kid's face, and she looked at her husband and said, I want them to have it. We'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Ah." Glory to God. It was a dream that became a reality. Thousands of dollars were saved. But it all started with a dream. It all started with a dream. And I walked out of that situation and I said, God, I made a decision. I'm never going to say never again. But I did. I did do that. And so do you. Because there's five types of people in this room. Write these down if you're taking notes. The first person is you have no dream. You have no dream at all. Interestingly enough, children are the best dreamers in the world. They imagine things that seem impossible and then they get older and get around older people and they get discouraged. Isn't that true? Isn't it true that when we get older, we dream less? So some people have no dream. Or you had a dream and it died. And you slowly died with it. It's like Jesus when he went to, uh, he was asked to pray for a blind person. In fact, the person asked him to lay hands on the person. And Jesus didn't do that because he's not going to be told how to heal people. And instead, he took him away from all those people. And he, and he went and spit in some mud, put the mud on the guy's eyes. Remember this? It's in the Bible. Read your Bible. And then the guy, he says, what do you see? And the guy says, well, I see people, but they look like trees. Now, let me ask you a question. How did a guy who was blind know that people could look like trees? Because he could see before. That's why. Some people had a dream, but they lost a dream. At one point in time, they could see, and then eventually they stopped seeing. That's some of you in this room. There were, there's some of you listening online. There was a time when you could see, but now you can't see. And here's what Jesus wants to say to you. The same thing that he said to that man. He, he, he prayed for him once more, and his sight was restored. God wants to once more... Whatever was lost, I'm speaking by the Holy Spirit to some people in this room. Some of you have let your dream die, but Jesus is here to say to you, once more, I'm restoring your dream. Once more, I'm bringing back what was gone, and I'm bringing it back to life in Jesus' name. You lost your dream, but once more, it's coming back. Are you with me, everybody? All right, number two. Another group that's in this room is you have the wrong dream. It's not a bad dream. It's just not God's dream. Listen, It can be good, but not necessarily God. Sometimes we have dreams that are all about I, 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 me, me, me. They're all external. They're all, they're all, they're just, they're more about your career than your calling. Can I just submit to you that God has a higher level of life for you? He doesn't want you, he he doesn't want you just to have a career to live on. He wants you to have a calling to live for. God has called you to a higher level. And some of you have the wrong dream and God wants to set that straight in your life. Are you with me, everybody? I, I was, uh, and, and that doesn't, you don't need a big platform for that to happen. Some people think, well, it's easy for you because you're up there and you do this. Listen, it's when you do something that matters, everybody. And, and I, I, was, I was walking a lady, we've had so many rainy weekends, pray the Lord for a non rainy weekend, but we've had so many rainy weekends after church and I was walking a lady to her car with an umbrella and she didn't know who I was and also because she wasn't looking at me, she was just looking where we were walking. And also when we got to the car, she looks at me, she's like, Whoa, she's like, I didn't know the pastor, I didn't know what are she was kind of like shocked, like, why are you doing this? And she even so much as said is, why are you, as the senior pastor, doing such a menial task? And I said, Whoa, 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 whoa. I know I'm the guy that communicates up there and I make some decisions backstage sometimes. But this is one of the most significant things I get to do because what I'm doing is helping you connect to God and serving other people. See, sometimes it's not this huge thing that that changes people's lives. God wants you to do something that's making a huge difference, but it can start with some very small things. Just be Jesus with skin on. Amen? Here's the third thing. Are you getting something out of this? So some of you have a stale dream, a stale dream. You have the right one, but the lights have been turned down. It's just flickering. It's not burning. It's not burning. And I'll just say this about that. You're probably not going to get it back online, burning again, if you don't do something a little drastic, a little radical. Okay? It'll just stay stale. Some, and, and, and what we do as Christians is sometimes, this is what I recommend, if you had a dream and it's stale, you need to do some praying and fasting. Prayer is when you connect more to God. Fasting when you disconnect more from the world. And when you do those two things, Then you're going to be able to fan into flame the gift of God inside of you, Amen. So some of you have a stale dream, and you just got to fire it up with a little bit of spiritual disciplines in your life, Amen. Amen. Number four, everybody say number number four. I want to get to number five real bad. Number four is a vague dream, vague. Many people have a dream, but it's not clear. It's it's fact. It can be confusing. And there's just a, there's a lack of clarity. You don't know how to articulate it. It's not clear. This is something that I had to, to work on. And that's why you write the, the vision down. That's why you write the dream down. Studies reveal that when you think things, it's not the same as when you write things. When you write things. So I've just become more of a, not just pray and worship, but also a journaler. I write things down. I store things. I look back at things. I have to have not just experience, but evaluated experience. We'll talk about that in the end of the year. When we we want to review last year, we'll talk about the principle of evaluation. I heard this quote, written goals have a way of transforming wishes into wants, cants into cans, dreams into plans, plans into reality, don't just think it, ink it. Is that good or what? Don't just think it, ink it. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't just think it, ink it. All right, here's my final point. Last point, and the worship team can come. Transcendent dreams. One group of you has what's called a transcendent dream. This word means that I'm doing something that actually matters. Can I have an amen? For Christians, this is a God dream. For Christians, this is a God-honoring dream. For Christians, this isn't about me. It's about we. It's we over me. Can I have an amen? And again, you don't need this platform to change somebody's life. God can use you. Your role and calling and dream is just as important and just as big as mine. Your bucket list and what's on it is just as important and just as big as what's on mine. Can I have an amen out there? It's simply, it's simply sometimes just taking action, doing something transcendent, can be just listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen out there? Let me tell you a story real quick. I've told this before, but... I want you to know what transcendence like. It's like when you get outside of yourself. It's when you obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit cuz he if you're a Christian, he will quicken you. That's what it, he will poke. I call it the Pillsbury dough poke of God. <laughs> he wants to get you going. Right? And I remember not too long ago I was I was driving down Cedar Street in Ashland, Massachusetts over here and the Holy Spirit was was reminding me about an individual I barely knew. He had come to this church a couple of times as far as I knew. I could barely remember his name. I did not have his phone number, but he was my friend on Facebook. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to reach out to that young man. I said, fine, I'll, I'll do it. That's great. He said, no, I want you to do it right now. I said, right now? I'm driving. He goes, I understand that. I want you to pull over, son. I'm trying to explain it to you. I want you to reach out to him right now. So I, I listened. I pulled over on the side of the road, put my hazard lights on. I tried to figure out where this guy was. I look him up, and through Facebook Messenger, I messaged him something like this. Hey, man, I was just thinking about you. Are you doing okay? I just want you to know that God loves you. I care about you. I'm praying for you. If I can do anything for you, let me know. Send. I sent that, and in that very moment, His phone was on the passenger seat of his car face up, and he was in a garage, and his car was being filled with carbon monoxide to take his life. And he saw that message. Listen to me all the way through. He he saw that message, and it shocked him. He called his sister, who knew me, and said, did you tell that pastor about what was going on in my life? She didn't know he was trying to take his life. She said, I didn't tell him anything about your mental health issues, not a word. I didn't even know he knew you. She said, she said, brother, that was God. God is trying to get a hold of you right now. He said, I know. I think he is. And he got out of that car, and months later, he was baptized in this church right here on this platform. That's what it means to live transcendent, to live a life that is bigger than yourself. Are you with me, everybody? Everybody. So I want to encourage you with every, with every uh, person that's in all locations, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray for you all over this place. I didn't get to finish my message today. There's so much in it that I'll continue next week. But I believe that God has a dream for each and every one of you. And I'd like to just pray that those dreams would come again for all of you. In fact, with every head bowed, every eye closed, everybody all over the room, can we just be still? I, I believe this is a really important moment. And, and I, if the Holy Spirit could ask you a question, I would just say, will you choose God's dream over yours? If the Holy Spirit could speak to you, I think he would say, sir, ma'am, boy, girl, would you choose God's dream over yours? Because if you will, he will restore your health. He will restore your soul. He will restore the fulfillment, the things that are missing. Because you can go seek other things and they just you know they don't satisfy. It's because you're not living the dream that God has put in your heart. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room whose dream, they don't even know a dream. They don't, they don't know their dream. Whose dream is the wrong dream. They're, li- they're living a dream that's the, of this world. It's not bad. It's just not God. It's not, it's not, it's not God's dream for their life. Maybe their dream, Father, is... It's just vague. It's not clear, Lord. Maybe it's stale and it needs to come alive in the name of Jesus. But, Lord, I'm calling people to live God's dream for their life in the name of Jesus. I speak, Lord, dreams to come into the hearts and minds. Come on, raise your hands and receive. Dreams to come into the hearts and minds. All locations. T.C., Framingham, Ashland, this is a very important day for you. Dreams are coming alive, Lord, in this church. People are going to live on purpose. The word says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you. They're good plans, a hope and a future I have for you. I pray that these would be the best days of people's lives, the days to come, as they begin to live on purpose for a purpose. In Jesus' name, and everybody in this room said, come on, amen. Come on, say amen. Amen. TC, Framingham, online. We love you guys. God bless you, everyone.